sing or silence flocks by night behold throughout the heavens there shone a Shepherds feared and trembled when though above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed the Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it Christ is born down in the lonely manger the humble Christ was born and God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas born go tell it on the mountain over the hills and Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it is good to be here with you all this morning, worshiping the Lord and telling it from the mountain that our Lord is King and that he was born to save us from our sins. You know, Romans chapter 10, starting verse 14, says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not ever heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This passage reminds us that unless we herald, unless we proclaim the good news, unless we tell it on the mountain, how do we expect people to come to have the joy and peace with God that only comes through Christ? And so as we, I hope as we sing a song like that, that it excites you to proclaim the good news, because that's what that word preach means. When you see preach in Romans 10, it doesn't mean only pastors do it. The Greek word keruso is, just means to proclaim. And so all of us are called to proclaim from the mountaintop that Jesus Christ is born. And not just here at church, but at home, in your family, at your work, with your neighbors, in your extended family. So I hope that this song stirs joy in your heart as we proclaim it on the mountain together here, but also as we go throughout the rest of this Christmas season. But we are so glad that you're here to sing with us and worship the Lord um, with us this morning. If you would, please take out your worship folder. If you don't have one, we have some at the back of the, uh, in the, of the room on the white table back there. 
inside this uh, folder, you'll find all sorts of information about things that are going on in the church. And inside there, you'll find a little checking card. And it would be a big blessing to us if you would just take a quick moment to fill out that uh, checking card and let us know that you're here. You can also do it on your phone if you want to download our church app. It's pretty easy to do. It's free and it's really quick to fill out this same information over your phone. Um, On the check-in card and app, there's a place for you to put any prayer requests or praises you want to share with us. We love to pray with you, for you, alongside you, and thank the Lord for the things that he's doing in your life. So if you want to share that with us, we would love to come alongside you and minister to you in that way. If you're visiting with us, whether this is your very first time or you've been coming for a couple weeks or a couple months, we just want to extend a special welcome to you. We're really glad that you're here and that you chose to be with us. Um, We do not believe it is an accident for the Lord is sovereign and works in all things. So we're super glad that you're here. If you have um, an interest in learning more about the church, I would encourage you to stop by our welcome desk. You may have walked past it on your way in, but just outside these double doors is our welcome desk. And you can ask um, um, for more information. They have um, some booklets and things they can give you. We'd love to meet you there. And we would love to give you a gift if you haven't received one already, just to show our appreciation for you, to say thanks for being here and show how much we love you and care about you. And so I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, At the end of the service, if you have one of these checking cards filled out, you can just drop it off in either white table at either entrance um, as you leave the service. There's a little slot in the side. You can just just put it in there like that. Now, speaking of special guests, we have a special guest with us here this morning. We have Pastor Daniel Bennett from Bethany Community Church in Washington, and he's going to be bringing us the word this morning, and I'm very excited for what you, uh, for you guys to hear what he's gotten to preach. I already got to hear it, and I get to hear it again this, this next service, get double blessing, because I was here for first service, but it's going to be a great time. It's a, it's a break from Ephesians, and so we're going to be in the Old Testament and just really excited for what the Lord's going to continue to do in and through our church through the preaching of his word. So if you have a chance, uh, make sure you say hi to him and thank him for ministering. So you're probably wondering, where's Pastor Kevin? Well, he's not on vacation. He's actually at Bethany Community Church preaching. So we kind of have a little pastor pulpit swap going on here today. And so just really uh, enjoying that relationship we have with a sister church and being able to hear from uh, another pastor um, preach the word. Now, speaking of Go Telling It on the Mountain, we have a resource of the month to recommend to you. And this month, since it's December, we are recommending um, Come Let Us Adore Him, a daily devotional, Advent devotional by Paul Tripp. Now, this is something we want to make available to you all free. So at the end of the service, if you're interested in having one of these, all you have to do is go out these double doors. We have our resource center. And there's a table that's just full of these books. And so we want to give each of you guys, each family or individual, um, a copy of this. And so this is a really great way to help uh, direct our hearts during this season on the right thing. So daily devotional. You can use it in your own personal study. Your own personal devotions are really short. But I even encourage you as family, if you don't already have some kind of tradition in place, this is a great tool. Um, the pages, the, each uh, devotion is like a day, and, uh, a page and a half. 
and like this is a small page if you can call that a page and so it's really short and at the end of each one they have extra scripture passages that you can go and look at and also questions they have a quite at least one question to kind of help uh, stir up and start conversation so if that's something you want to do around the dinner table um, or something like that to start a tradition I would highly encourage um, this on a personal level but also as you lead your families through this Christmas season to pick up a copy of this at the end of the service. Well, before we continue singing together and worshiping the Lord, would you please bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, we are so thankful that we have been transformed by your grace so that we see the good news and believe in the good news and want to cry from a mountaintop that Jesus Christ has been born, that there is peace and goodwill toward men because of what Christ has done. Father, we are here this morning to praise you that we have reconciliation with you, that you have um, bridged the gap, that you have paid the price for our sins. And so, Father, we thank you that now we are no longer your enemies, but that you have brought us near. You have made us your children. And Father, I pray that as we go through the service, as we pray together, sing together, as we sit under the word together, that you would continually transform us to be more like your son, that you would help us to hate our sin more and to love your son more, that you would help us to decrease and help us to increase in our view of Jesus And that you would help us to behold Christ's glory so that all else in this world loses its grip and power. We ask for your blessing over this time. Amen. Well, if you would, would you please stand as we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Light and life to all he brings Risen with healing in his 
angels sing glory to the newborn King. my family so there was mass casualties so but it's good to be better again I know there's something going around uh, a lot so we're thankful that we're better and God's good um, before we pray together um, we do uh, want to dismiss children's to children's church so ages three to kindergarten can go head up uh, on the south side to hear the gospel in an age appropriate way I think there's also uh, some kids that are going to practice for a Christmas program that's going to be in a few weeks. So that's going to be exciting too. So let's go ahead and let's pray together here this morning. Father, we're so thankful uh, that we can come here and we worship together and glorify your name together, sing your praises together, and you are worthy alone to be praised. You're worthy to uh, receive that because you love us. 
Uh, you're gracious, you're merciful, you're kind, you're our provider. Just so many different ways that uh, we lose track of, and it's so easy to become thankless. So remind us daily, Lord, of your goodness. Let us not, be, not, us, let us not grumble or be discontented, but to know that you are with us, you provide for us, you do mighty works for us, and we praise you for that. Let us forget um, um, Satan's lies, that uh, those that pop into our head, but know uh, that you are true and to stick with your word and that you are faithful despite our faithlessness. So Lord, continue to strengthen us and uh, hold us up um, when we're fallen and to raise us up when we need you, Lord. And I just think specifically of those that are hurting um, through uh, some loved ones that have passed. I think of Kelly Gerber, um, mother's passing, and Scott O'Neill's father, and Becky Calhoun's mother, and I just heard of Don Heinold passing here this morning. Please lift up those families, uh, that they can be encouraged, that they know that their hope is in the next life and not this life, that their church families can come along, and that we can strengthen them and encourage them and point them to you. You are our hope. Let us always remember that, Lord. The cares of this world can so come in and distract us and entangle us, Lord. Let us loose those, uh, the sin and, and the temptations that come and entangle us and trip us up and help us run and finish that race. Let us be repentant and humble. We need that, Lord. And so we are wholly dependent on you today. Strengthen us. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Often uh, cultures become fixated and fascinated by superheroes, but we know there's a lot of superhero movies out there that people like to watch. And it's, it was something that was common in the ancient times as well. And so when the Messiah was born, when Jesus came to earth, people were a little subverted in their expectations because they were expecting a superhero, someone to come and overthrow the government of Rome, to reestablish Israel's kingdom as the top dog. But yet the Savior came to suffer, and to serve first. And so that really caught people off guard. And so the song we're about to sing reminds us of the preciousness of that truth, of that mystery that Jesus came first to serve and to sacrifice himself for us. But then expectantly as we wait and long for his second recoming, he will come as that superhero. He will come as that conquering king and bring us all home with him. So would you please stand as we sing, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. Come behold the wondrous mystery In the dawning of the King He the theme of heaven's praises Robed in frail humanity In our longing, in our darkness Now the light of life has come Look to Christ who condescended Took on flesh to ransom us Come behold the wondrous mystery He the perfect Son of Man 
is living in his suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man. Christ the straight and sure fulfillment of the law in him we stand. Christ the Lord upon the tree In the stead of ruined sinners Hangs the Lamb in victory See the price of our redemption See the Father's plan unfold Bringing many sons to glory Grace unmeasured, love untold. Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive and what a foretaste of deliverance how unwavering our hope christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes and what a foretaste of deliverance how unwavering our hope christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes maybe seated Amen. Amen. It's such a joy to get to, to be with you this morning. Just appreciate uh, the, many of the conversations I've, I've had with you uh, this morning already. Appreciate uh, Tyson, your, your hospitality this morning. Tyson does something really good that I think I, I need to ask the, the people that are leading our worship to do. He nods at you when it's time to come up. And there have been many times where I've just shown up on stage and had to slowly back away because I was not <laughs> supposed to be up there yet. So, yeah, appreciate that. That's good. I do get nods when it's time for me to get off the stage. But <laughs> So, uh, greetings from the saints, uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ at Bethany Community Church. Uh, we love your church very dearly. Uh, it is a huge blessing to get to be with you this morning. Uh, t- uh, Kevin and I were actually texting this morning, and I, as, as we were, uh, he, he mentioned he was praying for our time of worship together this morning and the, the time of, of worship and teaching the Word at Bethany Community. And just as we were texting, I, I was just overwhelmed with thankfulness. It, this is a, a very special thing to get to have a, a church with, with whom we are so like-minded uh, in, in uh, cooperating in gospel ministry. This is just uh, a huge privilege, and there are, are several uh, churches that we have this 
relationship with, and I hope we don't take it for granted. So we just, uh, we love your church. We love what the Lord is doing here and, and pray that by God's grace, that continues. And I wish I had time to, to talk with more of you, enjoy talking with many of you before first service and, and in between services. Uh, I'm, I have a meeting that I have to get to in Chillicothe uh, really quickly. So uh, I'm going to have to leave even before the end of, of, not before I'm done preaching, but uh, <laughs> Lord willing, but, but I apologize. I won't be able to stay around and talk, but hopefully next time we can continue continue talking and and just appreciate this church a lot. Our church is going through the book of 1 Samuel right now. We're doing an overview of 1 and 2 Samuel this this year. And we are in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And you can go ahead and turn there now with me if you would, beginning in verse 12. And we've been going through 1 Samuel, and here at the beginning it tells of the story of Hannah praying for a child and God granting her Samuel, and then she turns Samuel over to the Lord to serve the Lord at Shiloh with the priest Eli. And we pick up the story in verse 12. It begins to contrast Samuel with Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And so if you're able to, if you'd stand with me in honor of God as we read his word together, I'm reading from the English Standard Version but kind of an older edition of the English Standard Version, so I think there's a, a couple word changes, but I think you guys use the ESV as well. Beginning here in verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priest with the meat offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. And he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, Let let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish, he would say, No, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman. For the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, and the young man Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, it's not a good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now the young man Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. You may be seated. May God encourage us through the reading of his word this morning. 
Heavenly Father, we, we do ask for your special kindness to us now. We thank you for the ability we've had to, to worship you in, in song. And, and now as we turn to the reading of your word, help us to, to believe it, to understand it, to comprehend it. And then as we accept it by faith, to live it out. We pray this according to your grace in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to do something a little bit different this morning, and I know a lot of the, the young people left to, to, to do the various things that they're going to do this morning, but I want to talk to the young people in the church first. And so maybe if I could just kind of get a, a little bit of a sense of, of who all is, is in here. Uh, how many of you are, are younger than kindergartners? Is anyone here still younger than kindergarten? Okay, how about how about kindergarten, elementary school? There's some, still some kids. Raise your hand, maybe, if you're in kindergarten. How about, how about middle school? Got some middle schoolers in here or high schoolers? Okay, yeah. How many of you are like, I'm technically, uh, I'm technically not an adult, but I'm old enough to be kind of annoyed by having to raise my hand? Okay, so that's, <laughs> that's where I would be as a high schooler. I don't know, or a young college student. Well, I, I want to begin by, by talking to you. At my first point, I want, to, I want to direct it, especially to you who are young. Adults can listen as well, uh, but if you just need a color during this time or something, that, that's fine uh, too. Uh, but I, I want to direct the first point here in just a moment to, to the young people. And the, the kids in our church, one of the, the dads was telling me that he gives his kids treats when I get to the, the second point. And the kids are a little bit disappointed by that because my first point is usually the longest point. And so they're like, get to the second point. And they get really excited when I get to the second point. But this morning, the first point is, is for the kids. So hopefully that'll be enjoyable as well. But before we get to that, here's kind of the main idea that I want us to all think about as we look at this passage that, that contrasts Samuel with Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Okay, Here, here's the main idea that we must all think about together this morning. If we desire the children in our church to love and worship God, we must worship him and treat him as holy. So all of us, young, old, would, would say we want to have a church that has children who love and worship God at, at early ages. That's what we desire, right? And if, if that's something that we desire, then all of us must commit. We are going to worship him and treat him as holy. As, as children come into our church, they're going to see that, that there are, are people who love and worship the Lord, that we treat him as holy, so they will see the beauty of our Lord and Savior as well. So that's the, the, the big idea that I want us to, to think about. We're going to have four points. And here's the, the first point. And again, this, this point is for you who are young especially. And it's, it's this, first point. As children, we want to be children who love God and worship Him with our whole heart. We want to be children who, even at a young age, love and worship God with our whole heart. So, so look at the Bible there with me, if you would, young people, and look at how verse 12 begins. Verse 12 says, now the, the sons of Eli were worthless men. He said, well, what exactly does, does it mean to be a worthless man? Well, the next part of the verse tells us, it says they, they did not know the Lord. They didn't have a relationship with God. They didn't know what God liked. They didn't know how to honor him and to please him. They didn't know the Lord, and so they didn't do the things that the Lord would desire them to do. Kids, if I were to ask you, uh, tell me a, a, about your mom, what are some of the things that she likes, you would be able to tell me, I would hope, because you, you know your mom. You say, well, my mom likes it when my room is clean. My mom 
uh, likes it when I don't argue with my brother. Uh, my mom likes chocolate, or she doesn't like chocolate. You'll be able to tell me some things about your mom because you know her. But uh, young people, maybe this has happened to you. This is something that happens to my kids all the time. They'll, we'll find ourselves in a grocery store or something like that. This happened especially when they were in, in uh, like young high schoolers or middle schoolers. And someone will come up to them and they'll say, oh, it is so good to see you again. I haven't seen you since you were, you were this high. And, and they'll talk about how, how big they've gotten, how good it is to see them again. They'll, they'll pinch their cheeks. You're so cute. And then they'll walk away and we'll ask our kids, do, do, you, do you remember them? And they'll say, I have no idea who that person is, but she frightens me, right? You know, that's, I don't know. And so if you're asked them, well, tell me some things about that strange lady. I don't know anything about her. I I know she likes pinching cheeks, which is very uncomfortable, but I don't know anything else about her, right? There's no relationship. So Eli's sons, they, they, they... don't know the Lord. There's no relationship that they have with God. And, and so they don't know how to honor him. They don't know how to, how to please him. They don't worship him rightly. In fact, look at your, your Bibles again. And it tells us, because they don't know the Lord, they don't worship him rightly, it, it tells us what they were doing wrong. It talks about a custom that existed at the time. And this was a, a custom that wasn't supposed to be happening. What, what was supposed to be happening is God's law told priests and their family that they could have some of the offering. So there was a certain, certain, and certain offerings, they could have certain parts of the animal and they could eat that for, for their family. But that's not what these young men were doing, Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons. What they were doing is they were coming and they were taking whatever part of the offering that they wanted. It said they would take a big like three-pronged fork and they'd, they'd stick it in the cauldron and, and they'd say, this is mine. And they'd take whatever it is that they desired, which is not what they were supposed to do. A couple weeks ago, we had a dessert fellowship at our, our church in the evening. And it was, it was the same Sunday we were talking about this passage. And I told the kids, I said, imagine if you went to the dessert fellowship tonight and you, you got yourself some chocolate chip cookies, and you got yourself some apple pie, and you got yourself some ice cream, and you sat down, and, and I came up to you, and I, Pastor Daniel, me, came up to you, and I said, hey, uh, I'm the pastor at the church. Uh, the Bible says you're supposed to take care of me. I'll be taking that now, and I begin to take your, their chocolate chip cookies, because I love chocolate chip cookies. Uh, the, what, when I said that, the kids started shaking their heads, no, in, in the church, and one, one of the moms told me that that night her daughter was watching me to make sure <laughs> she didn't know if Pastor Daniel was going to try any funny business, right? But if that happened, if, if you came to our church and you came to that dessert fellowship and I took your chocolate chip cookies, what would you, what would you tell your mom and dad? I said, I don't think that guy's a very good pastor. <laughs> and you'd be right, right? I'd be a bad pastor if I, if I did those things, right? But it gets, it gets worse, That's what they're doing. But look at verse 15. It says, moreover. That means in addition to this, it was even worse than this. It says what they would do is, now again, the law said that what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to let the the fat of the meat separate from the meat. The the fat was not to be eaten by the people. It was supposed to be offered to the Lord. It was supposed to be burned up. It It was God's. But Eli's sons were coming and saying, I I want to eat, I want to have the fat as well. And the people knew that that was not what God said they were supposed to do. And so the, the people, 
as they were offering the sacrifices, a man would say, no, 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 don't, don't do that. That's, that's against what God says we're supposed to do. Wait until the, the fat's taken, then you can have whatever you want. And Eli's sons would say, no, you give that to me, or I'm going to take it by force. Things are going to get violent. I'm, there's going to be some shoving going on. I'm taking what I want. So what does that mean? It means that not only did these young men not worship the Lord rightly, but they were preventing other people from worshiping God the way that they were supposed to do. Very tragic. Now, now kids, I want you to see, young people, I want you to notice one other thing in these verses, verses 12 through 21. Notice that Samuel's different. So verse 17 says that the Eli's sons, their sin was very great. They treated the offering of the Lord with, with contempt. But Samuel's different. Verse 18, it says, Samuel was ministering before the Lord. And so at a, at a young age, he, was, he didn't know the Lord in a, 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 the way that he would later in chapter 3, but he's still walking in obedience, and he's still, uh, his heart is sensitive, I believe, here to the things of the Lord. He's, he's ministering before the Lord. He's being obedient to Eli. He's a boy clothed with a linen ephod, so kind of like a little apron that he would use in his, his little, the duties that he had. And then I think verse 19 might be the most adorable verse in the Bible, it says his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him every year, and, and she would give it to him as a gift. And he actually became known for, for having that robe. We see the robe mentioned uh, later in, in the books of First uh, and Second Samuel as well. And so he is walking in obedience to the Lord, and Eli would bless his family, right? Young people, here's what I want you to see. Two Two pictures here. And you have, on the one hand, you have two young men who are walking in disobedience to the Lord and preventing people from worshiping God. And on the other hand, you have a young man, probably, probably you know, for those of you who are in middle school, maybe about that age, maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit younger, you have another young man who's helping people worship the Lord. So here's, here's three three thoughts I have for you who are young as we think about applying these verses in our lives. Three, three applications for you young people. Number one, the most important thing about you is whether or not you know and worship God. So the, the most important thing about you isn't the grades you make in school. The most important thing about you isn't how many friends you have or how well you, you did on a spelling test or it's, it's not what sort of... Uh, things you're going to have for Christmas or what sort of activities you're going to do, the most, what career you're going to choose, the most important thing about you is whether you know and worship God. Now you might say, how is it, that, how is it possible that Eli's sons didn't know God? I mean, their dad was a priest. And yet, the, the amazing thing is that they... They didn't. That, that tells us that it's, it's possible for us to go to church, for us to, to go into a place where God is being worshipped and not worship him ourselves. Eli's sons were around offerings. They were around sacrifices that, that, were, that were being made. They were aware, they should have been aware of sin. They, they heard the, the law read. They heard people praying to God. They saw their dad engaged in all these priestly duties and, and saw people worshiping God. And yet, they didn't know him. 
it's possible, this is the, the very dangerous thing, it's, it's possible for you as a young person to, to come into a great church like Newcastle and, and to come to Sunday school and hear people talk about God, to come into a, a worship service and hear people sing about God and hear a pastor preach about God, and yet it's possible to not know God yourself. That's a very scary thing. The most important thing about you is whether or not you know and worship God. And I know that every believer here, every parent in the faith, would say that they would desire that you would know and believe the gospel. That the gospel message is the most important message you'll hear, young person. It, it tells us what? It tells us that we're sinners. It starts off with some very bad news, that you and I are separated from God because of our sin. And yet, the gospel tells us that instead of bearing the, the penalty for our, the consequences of our sin ourselves, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, who became fully man. And he lived a perfect life for us and then took the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross in our place, bearing, taking God's wrath on himself. And now... As he's risen from the dead, we have the ability to place our faith in him, to believe in him, and to receive his righteousness as he takes our sin on himself and receive eternal life and forgiveness from God. The most important thing about you is whether or not you believe that message, trust in God, and as a result, live a life of loving obedience to him. That's the first thing I want you to think about as we think about these verses. Number two. The danger of growing up in a church, even in a good church, the danger is you might get used to being disrespectful toward a holy God. That's a real danger for a young person. What, what, what do I mean by that? What I mean is it's possible to kind of develop some really bad habits as you're around people who are worshiping God if, if your heart doesn't desire to worship God as well. It's possible to, to come in to, to Sunday school class and to kind of goof off with your friends and, and hear a person talking about the great things about God but have no desire to pay attention to your teacher. It's possible to come in and, and everybody else is singing and you just kind of, get your, your, your brain begins to, to daydream and you don't even want it to think about God and you kind of get in that pattern that it can develop over the rest of your, the course of your life. Eli's sons are around people worshiping God, but they are totally clueless about what's taking place. It's possible to come in and, and hear a, a, a pastor talking about God's word and just kind of say, you know what, I don't really care and be disrespectful to God in that way and not grow in your understanding of him. Now, my hope is that each Sunday, young people, you begin to see more and more how beautiful God is. Now, I don't know about Pastor Kevin or I know Pastor Josh preached last week, but, but at my church, I'm the person that preaches the most often, and I, just between us, I can sometimes, for for a young person, maybe sometimes it can be a little boring, okay? I, I get that. And not just for a young person, for the adults sometimes too, right? Sometimes, it's, and our minds can wander, and, and, and those things, I, I understand, right? I've, I've been in your place, young people. I know that sometimes it's hard to pay attention to everything that's going on, and, and sometimes some of the things that, that a person up here is talking about, you're like, I... I I don't know what those words that are coming out of his mouth even mean. How can I pay attention? And so here'd be my encouragement to you. I understand it's hard to grasp everything that 
that's being talked about. My encouragement to you would be to understand what you can. It, you know, sometimes, I know when you're, when you're young, maybe you draw pictures or things like that. And so maybe instead of drawing pictures of, of Spider-Man, you, you draw pictures of the story that's taking place. And you, you write down the, the things that are on the screen. It's, Kevin has a lot of points. Maybe not everything Kevin, uh, Pastor Kevin writes down on the screen. But maybe the, the big points that are in the, I think there's, there's notes in your, in your bulletin folder. So maybe, maybe write those things down. My, my point is this, you know. Um, Begin to see the beauty of God and grasp the things about him that you can. I heard a story a couple weeks ago. I was listening to a, a, a podcast about a, a woman. Uh, and she was talking about how she was walking to her apartment. She was about a mile away from her apartment when she passed this apartment building. And there was this beautiful painting that was in a dumpster or near the, the trash cans. And she, she looked at this painting and she goes, that's a, that's a really nice painting. It's, it's big, but I'm about a mile away from my, my apartment. I, I'm, I'm going to take this, this painting. I, I don't want to see this, this thrown away. And so she lugged this thing a mile to her apartment, set it in her apartment. And then she began to do some, some research on the painting and she realized this was actually a really valuable painting. And what, what they think had happened is that this painting had been given to some parents and then the, the parents had passed away and their children, as they were cleaning out their parents' apartment, just kind of decided, oh, this doesn't have any real value and they, they decided to th- throw it away. So they had thrown away something very, very valuable. Young people, I don't want that to be true of you. I don't want you to miss the beauty of Jesus. I want you, as you, as you see the Bible read as you, you hear the, the, the singing. I, I want you to, to hear and see and, and believe in the beauty of Jesus. Third point that, that I'd make here for you young people is, is, is this. You don't have to be grown up. You don't have to be a grown up to begin to know and love God, right? You don't have to be as old as Pastor Kevin to... He's 10 days younger than me. Uh, to, 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 to begin to love and know God, right? Samuel's really young when he begins to, to know about God. We're in Christmas. Mary was really young when she began to, to worship God. Joseph, Daniel and his friends, over and over again, we see stories of young people who know and love God. And so, young people, I know that this would be the hope of every believer in this room, but that you would come here and see the beauty of God and know and love him. Okay, here's the second point. Parents, put down your crayons. Uh, second point is this, and young people can still pay attention to this as, as you're able to, but, but here's, here's what I'd say to, to those of us who are old in the faith. Number two, we want to be parents in the faith who take worship of God seriously, right? We want to be parents in the faith who take the worship of God seriously, Samuel here begins in the period of the judges. And if you know anything about the period of the judges, you know that this was a very dark time spiritually for the people of Israel. There is religious apostasy that's taking place. And not only is there religious apostasy falling away from the faith, it's, it's manifests itself in, in all areas of life, in, in, in uh, the government, in worship, in the family. Every area of life is permeated by the departure of, from biblical faith. And we see that playing out here in verses 22 through 26 as we look at Eli's home. Now, parents, I would just say this to you before we kind of talk about some of these things. I'm going to say some hard things. 
these are things that may be hard uh, to, to say, but just remember, I don't know many of you very personally, so this is not, I, I, Kevin didn't say, hey, here's a list of things that the parents in our church are struggling with, and so be sure you hit on these things. This is not directed on, on anyone in, in particular. These are some things that I wish someone had told me. Some of these things are things I wish people had told me uh, 25 years ago. We, we have kids who are ages 16 through 21 right now, and so there's some things that I wish I had done differently, and there's some things that I wish I had done di- differently, and yet God was still gracious in, right? So we'll talk about God's gracious gospel hope as well. But uh, I want to say some things here, and as I say these things, know that, that we also live in a culture that is, that is decaying, just like the culture in the days of the judges here in Israel. We live in a culture that, in, in which we not only see the, the disintegration of the family, there's, we live in a culture that celebrates that disintegration of the family, don't we? And many of you are, are in homes where you say, you know, Pastor, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I, I see the disintegration of my family. My, my, my family is experiencing that. And is there hope for me? Is, is my family going to be blessed by God? I mean, what, what do I do by this? And I just want to say, look, we need gospel hope here. And hopefully we'll receive it as, as we look at these things. So let's look at the text. We first of all see Eli's son. So just like the, the first part of the text contrasted Samuel and Eli's sons, we see that, that contrasting taking place once again. Look at verse 22. It says, Eli is very old, and he, he kept hearing, and, and the, the, the phrase there has this idea of it's, it's continual. It's, it's not just something he hears about one time. There's this ongoing awareness that he has that his sons are doing something. What are they doing? It says the things that they're doing to all Israel, and it talks about specifically not just what they were doing with the sacrifices, but the sexual immorality in which they engaged while worship of God was supposed to be taking place talks about how they were engaged in these sexually immoral relationships with women who were supposed to be helping people worship God. And Eli talks to his sons about it. Now, I want you, I'm going to kind of read some of his words to his sons, and, and, and let's, let's think about what's right and wrong about his response here. He says, why do you do such things? This is verse 23. For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, it's not a good report that I hear the people of God spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for, for, for him? And so, positively, he's, he's, he recognizes that what they're doing is sin. Eli himself doesn't believe that what they're doing is right. His apostasy has not, uh, the apostasy that, that is present in Israel hasn't affected him to that degree. But let me suggest to you that his response here, for those of us who are parents in the faith, so not, not just biological parents, but, but older people in the church, his response here is far too apathetic. For what's taking place here, his response should have been much, much stronger, shouldn't it? I mean, these young men are still engaged in the, the worship of Yahweh. They're outside the tent of meeting where, where the ark is. What should have Eli said to his sons? You guys have no business being anywhere near the worship of God. 
You need to remember, sons, what happened to Aaron's sons when they offered strange fire before the Lord. God struck them down dead immediately. And if you guys don't turn, first of all, God may deal with you. Secondly, we may deal with you. As there, there were laws concerning how God was to be worshipped and what was to be the, the penalty of such immorality. And he says, look, you're going to find yourselves facing man or God's justice here. You are in grave danger. Instead, it's, it's much more passive. You know, hey, there's no one to mediate for you, and so you need to watch out. He should have said, you get as far away from the tent of meeting as possible. Your actions have no place where a holy God is worshipped. Once again, though, a contrast is drawn with Samuel, verse 26 Sam, oh, excuse me, verse 25, notice this, it says, uh, they would not listen to their father, for it's the will of the Lord to put them to death. And then verse 26, now the young man Samuel, so here's the contrast, continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. So again, I, I want to say some things and I, wanna, I don't want to be legalistic in some of the things that I say here, but I want to give us some, some practical thoughts here. And I want to share with you three ways that you can potentially distort children's view of God's holiness and harm their worship. So here, here are three things, older people in the church, that you can do that will potentially harm a young person's view of God and his holiness and potentially harm their worship. The first thing is this. Number one, you can fail to take God's holiness seriously in your daily life. First Peter, God says this through Peter in chapter 2, verse 9, you're a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. And so as, as believers, we, we believe in the, the, the priesthood of the believers. And so that's, that's who we are. And what does that mean? You're a, a, the church. It's a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. And so he says in verse 11, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. That should be true within the church. We are a holy priesthood that's set apart for God's glory, to proclaim the glory of God. And so as the young people look at our lives, what should they see? They should see that we take God's holiness seriously. And a failure to do that communicates something terrible about how we view God and his character and his holiness, and it could potentially harm their worship. Remember what I told the, the young people just a few minutes ago, the most important thing about you is what? Whether you know and, and worship God, love him. Here's a second thing you can do to harm the, the, the view that you're young people in the church have of God. Number two, you can treat worship of him with contempt. You can treat worship of God with contempt. To treat worship of God with contempt, for example, on a Sunday morning, means to, to fail to see the, the holiness of God and respond to that rightly. Remember the book of Malachi? 
The book of Malachi is very interesting. What's happened in the book of Malachi is that they've come out of exile, the, the, the people of Israel, and they have rebuilt the temple, and they've, they've started to worship God again. But God isn't happy with it. Look at, ver, uh, I'll just read it, Malachi chapter 1, verse 10. Oh, this is what God says. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will, accept, I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. This is an amazing thing that God is saying in Malachi. You would think that God would be happy that... that Worship has resumed here in the temple, and God says, no, I wish that someone would just shut the doors and not even let people in here because the type of worship that's taking place in this, in this, in this area does not reflect my holiness. It is saying something about me that is not true. You're offering terrible sacrifices and saying that, that God will be happy with that. Your hearts are far from me, and for you to come in here and say that you're worshiping a holy God and do the things that you're doing does not accurately convey who I am. It's not faithful worship. So adults, again, saying this with love, we're all friends. If you want children to not have a, a good view of God and to treat him with contempt, model that on Sunday morning. Take worship of God seriously on Sunday mornings, right? Again, I don't, I don't want to be legalistic, but don't let the kids see you on your, your cell phone, texting, checking social media. Don't let them see you engage in distracted worship. Don't search the internet. Think about the holiness of God. We are coming here before a holy God to worship him to exalt his name. Reflect that in your singing. Reflect that in your relationships. Reflect that as, you know, t take notes. And now, uh, Kevin, uh, Pastor Kevin is, is, a, is a very, uh, I'm never bored when I'm with Kevin. You know, he's very energetic. He's always there. You, you gotta stay on your toes with Kevin. So maybe it's not a problem here. But at, at Bethany Community Church, not every sermon's a home run, okay? I get it. But I know Newcastle and Bethany Community Church, other faithful churches enough to say this. Every sermon is, is dealing with God's word. And we could treat God's word with, with the holiness and reverence it, it deserves, right? Engage in that. I'd also encourage you, and again, I, I don't know, so uh, I don't know specific situations, and so this is okay for me to say. I was much more nervous saying this at Bethany Community Church because I did know a couple things, but let me just say this too. Um, take Sunday morning seriously and prioritize it if, if you're a parent or grandparent or someone in charge of getting young people to church. This is an important time to be here. Show it. During a few years ago in Washington, there was this virus called COVID uh, that, that uh, hit. 
And uh, at Bethany Community Church, things got a little tense in some of the, some of the, in some of the you know, how you deal with some things. And uh, we, we did take a period of time, I think it was about eight weeks or so, where we, we weren't meeting as a, as a church. We were doing some, some things online. Then we began to meet out in our parking lot as we waited for our, our, our uh, uh, building to be uh, finished and began to meet there. But anyway, um, you know, there was a lot of things that the government was saying or wasn't saying about whether or not people could meet, and, and, and people came, lots of people came to me, lots of people came to me, and had some very strong opinions about the government, right? The government, this is what people would say to me, and, 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 and this is true, the government cannot tell us not to worship the Lord on a Sunday morning. They've crossed a line, that's what people told me. And in and and, and, and places where that was true, that you, you, it's right, we're going to meet on Sunday mornings, we're going to worship the Lord. A lot of people said that to me. You know what a lot of people have not said to me? I, I don't think I've ever had someone come to me and say, Daniel, my kid's soccer coach has told me that there's practice on Sunday mornings. They've crossed a line. I can't do it. Or Daniel, there's, there's some, sort of, uh, some sort of school activity that they, I need to be, we, our, our family's going to have to be gone on Sunday. I can't believe they've crossed a line. I will not do that. Now, again, a little warm in here, right? <laughs> Let me just encourage you. I wish someone had said this to me when I was a younger parent. Pri- prioritize Sunday mornings. It's, it's a time for the people of God to gather and worship the Lord. And, re- and show your children that. Now, I'm not going to tell you specifically every do this and don't do this in every situation. That's between you and the Lord. But I will tell you this. Don't let the culture tell you how to worship the Lord. Don't let what your unbelieving friends do on Sunday morning dictate what your family is going to do to worship the Lord, right? Take it seriously. Again, I, I caved three or four times in allowing my kids to miss out on Sunday morning worship for various things, and for I, I wish I hadn't in those circumstances because I think I could have taught my children more about the holiness of God and unbelievers more about the holiness of God if I hadn't. But, that's, uh, that's God's grace too, right? Here's the third thing. If you want to train your children not to worship the Lord well, number three, value your children more than the Lord. Number three, value your children more than the Lord. This is, this is Eli's foundational problem. Verse 29, a, a man of God, a prophet comes to Eli and says, these are God's words to Eli through this prophet. Why did you scorn my sacrifices? And says, and honor your sons above me. That's, that's Eli's foundational problem. He honored his sons and exalted them more than God. Brothers and sisters, the children in your church are precious. The children, at, I, I get tears just thinking about the, the, the children at Bethany Community Church that God has entrusted to us. And, and my desire and the, the parents' desire, that your desire here is to see children uh, understand the beauty of the Lord and to love him and to, 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 to worship him. And as much as we love our children, as precious as they are, if we begin to value them more than the Lord, we are teaching them the exact opposite thing that they need to grasp. They're precious, but not more precious to us than the Lord. And the best way to help them is to, help, is, is, is to communicate that 
to them and the way that we respond to them. So, value your children, but not more than the Lord. Here's the, the third truth I want us to, to think about, the third desire that we have, and we see this in verses 27 through 34. We didn't read these out loud and just touch on them quickly here. Uh, number three, we want to be somber as we all consider the penalty of scorning God. Verses 27 through 34 describe several things. This man of God, this prophet comes to Eli and he says, look, this is what God did. And he talked about how God appointed his family to be his family line to be in charge of worshiping the Lord. And then he, he says, this is how you've responded in verse 29. He says, you've scorned my sacrifice. We just read that. And then he says, here's what God is going to do broadly. Verse 30 talks about how God is going to honor those who honor him. And he's going to despise uh, those who despise him are going to be lightly esteemed. And then he talks more, and that's kind of a theme in Samuel. And then he talks more specifically about what's going to happen to Eli's family. He says, the days are coming, I'm going to cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house, so there will not be a, an old man in your house in distress. You'll look with envious eyes on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. He's saying, look, Eli, I'm, I'm going to deal with your family. They're not going to continue to, in, into old age in, in this, this ministry, and he even talks about taking Hophni and Phinehas, their, their lives. Now, you say, that's That's scary. And I would say this, this should give us pause. God is a holy God who, who must be worshipped, and there is a, a, an eternal penalty of scorning God. It's, it's manifested here in, a, in, in an earthly context, in a temporal way, but there's an eternal penalty for scorning God. You say, well, Daniel, this, that seems very hopeless because I, I haven't modeled worship the way that I need to for the children in our church. I haven't modeled worship the way that I need to in, in my home. I, I have children who are struggling spiritually, and, and what hope is there? Because I, I certainly have not attained the perfection that I need to. That brings us to the last point. Here's the gospel hope. We want to be hopeful as we consider our priest and king who stands before God on our behalf. There, there's so much to say about the narrative of Judges, the narrative of Samuel and this coming king, but, but let's, let's just focus on a couple verses here. I just want you to see, see what's happening. The, the prophet continues, and he says, I will raise up for myself, God says, a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he will go in and, and out before my anointed forever. And, and there's a lot that we could get into here, but just, just notice this. There's a coming priest who is going to be in perfect alignment with God's mind and his heart, with, with what he desires. And the reason the ultimate priest that this passage is talking about will be in perfect alignment with God is because he is God. There is a coming priest, Jesus Christ, who is perfectly al aligned with God because he is God. And it says, that the, it's talking about this, this house that's going to be built and the anointed is going to be going in and out. I think that's talking about before this house. And that, that anointed, that word is the, is the Messiah. And so this, this, this priest is going to be just both priest and king. We know that he's also the perfect coming prophet. So, what does this mean? It means there's hope. For all Eli's failures, there's a coming priest who will perfectly mediate between God and his people. Verse 36 seems kind of negative, right? It, it talks about the penalty, and it says, you're, the people that are left in your house are going to be begging him for bread. 
and, and saying, please put me in one of the priest's places that I may, may eat a, a morsel of bread. And you say, well, well, that sounds really depressing. And, and for sure, it, it's sad to think about God's judgment here. But think about this. Who is the priest, the ultimate priest, to whom people will be asking for bread? Yeah, it's Jesus. You think he'll do it? Do you think he'll stand aloof from the, the people who failed, like, like Hopney and, and, and Phineas or, or the, the lineage? You know, he'll stand aloof and say, well, begging me, huh? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. You're pretty pathetic. Turn, turn your life around and, and then ask me and, and we'll see. That's not Jesus. That's not your priest. What does Jesus say? Jesus, our priest, says in John chapter 6, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. He doesn't say, whoever comes to me and, and, and is good enough, I won't cast out. Whoever comes to me and is, is smart enough will talk. He says, all that the Father has given to me will come. They'll, they'll come, they'll ask of me, and whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I won't keep for a little while and then, and then cause them to be pushed away. I will receive all who come to me, and they will never leave me. That's our high priest. And will he give us bread? <laughs> yes. What does Jesus say about himself, about the Father? He says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, you know, even evil fathers whose sons ask for bread won't give them a stone. And then he says, if, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? Brothers and sisters, our gospel hope is here in these verses. There's a priest, a good priest, who gives us all that we need. And in our failures as parents and our failures as, as children, what, is our, what does our high, high priest do? He intercedes for us. He's perfect in ways that, that we cannot be. He pleads to us, he pleads to the Father for us. And the Father doesn't stand there and go, well, okay, son, if you beg, I guess. The Father delights in hearing his son and the Son and the Father are what? They're in perfect agreement. And so as, as the, the Son intercedes for us, the, the Father delights to forgive us and to receive us. Brothers and sisters, that's the God that we worship. That's the God that, that we come into this room to worship on a Sunday morning. And that's a God who deserves our reverence and our awe and our love as we grow in our knowledge of him. And that's the God we want to see our, our children. Children, that, that's the God we want you to see as we worship him together. Thanks for letting me be with you this morning to worship this God together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news of your son Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have through him, through faith in him. We pray, I, I pray for this church. I pray that they be faithful in their calling that you would see the, the gospel bloom in, in this church, in this community. We pray for our relationship between our churches and other churches, that we'd be faithful to encourage one another, that we would see a gospel fruit as a result of our, our friendship. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with us as we respond with reverent joy?
to the message as we sing a worship the king together. the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with is the light whose canopy space his chariots of wrath the deep thunder clouds form and dark is his path on the wings of the storm thy bountiful care what tongue can recite it breathes in the air, it shines in the light, it streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Frail children of dust and as frail in thee do we trust nor find thee to fail thy mercies how tender how firm to the end our maker defender redeemer and friend Measureless might, unchangeable love, whom angels delight to worship above. Your ransom creation with glory ablaze, in true adoration shall sing to your praise. Amen. I hope that you all have been as blessed as I have by um, Daniel bringing the word to us this morning. He's given us a lot to think about, and kind of the word that kept recurring and popping into my mind was just the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is something that is lacking in, not just in our country overall, but sometimes even in our churches. And so we as Christians are always needing to grow increasingly in fear of the Lord. And that doesn't mean terror, but it means just a reverence that makes us, leads us to Make it our aim to please the Lord for because of what he's done to us. But we know those who, if you do not know the Lord, as Pastor Daniel's talking about, if you don't know him, like Eli's sons didn't know him, then fear does mean something different. It does mean terror. It means you should be terrified of the judgment of the Lord, for he is a consuming fire, and no unrighteous wickedness will go unpunished. But the good news of this season that we reflect on, the good news that we celebrate and tell from a mountain every day is that Christ came. Christ came and was born so that he could die and save us from our sins. So if you confess him as Lord, if you believe in your heart that he is the Lord of all, that he is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, he will save you. 
and your fear changes from terror to reverence. And so we pray that that would be true for everyone in this room. But would you please uh, say the benediction with me from Ephesians? Let's say the address first. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all those who fear the Lord would say, Amen. You're dismissed. One, two, three.